Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nadia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about us and our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week, we shine a light on the individuals making waves in the world of fintech. And on Sunday, we bring you the Recruitment Roundup. Now, this week has been full of so many different challenges and challenges that we have been overcoming. Um, one thing that I wanted to open up this podcast with, because it's going to be jam-packed with updates from the recruitment world and updates from the fintech world. But what I wanted to draw everyone's attention to was an article. And this article was written by Janine Hertz, the CEO of Innovate Finance. And the title is the UK fintech sector can be a force for good. And I wanted to talk about that phrase force for good, because when we speak to businesses and we are trying to attract talent to these businesses day in, day out, we are talking about mission, values, purpose. We're talking about, just as Janine mentioned in her article, developing a society for the future and changing financial behaviors. So there's some really interesting things within this article. And just to quantify the importance of it, in the UK alone, the fintech sector will employ over 100,000 people by 2030. They are also expecting steady growth of the global fintech market to reach 380 billion by 2030. So it's a really, really exciting time, despite some of the challenges that we're seeing within the marketplace and across the economy. And I wanted to open up this conversation with this article because it's so relevant to the growth of the sector, so relevant to the talent and the talent attraction that we are totally wedded to within the sector. And I think that everything that we do day in, day out to celebrate people across fintech and what they're doing and how they're growing their businesses couldn't be more relevant right now. A really, really good section within the article that Janine wrote for Media Planet was that she made everyone aware that Talent is a huge, huge topic at the moment all across financial technology and how inclusive that talent attraction should and could and will become, which obviously is music to my ears. So let me just read you something out from this article. The latest survey by EY and Innovate Finance showed an increased commitment of fintech to diversity and gender equality. Financial services are indeed integral to our lives, yet there are still barriers and challenges that many consumers face on accessing basic financial products and services. She goes on to talk about the need for diversity, equity, inclusion within all talent conversations to make sure we are reflecting the consumer base of society. So this is where I wanted to start this podcast. I wanted to get people to be thinking about the phrase force for good, because I think it's really relevant to how we grow this sector, how we attract people and change the perception of the sector to uh, the wider world so that we can really invest in the talent that's within it. Toby, I know you've been having some fantastic conversations with people this week that will be really relevant to this conversation. So I'd love you to share some of that with us. Yes, yeah, so, so I think it's really interesting this, and this is something which, which has been growing, I think, over a couple of years. If you look at some of the better word than buzzwords within financial technology over the last couple of years, ESG has been very, very high on the agenda and possibly one of the uh, core big three generational movements we're seeing in financial technology at the moment. You mentioned it beforehand. I think the, the sector is racing forward with its viewpoint of inclusivity and, and diversity with it, you know, within the space and getting so much better in terms of what's happening within that area. A load of the companies I've been talking to, um, FinTech Focus TV, are around efficiency. They are around optimization, but they're also around making payments fairer and democratizing the financial services industry. 
And where we've seen loads of innovation in the last couple of years has been exactly around that. Businesses are clamoring for the opportunity to have better and fairer financial systems with more options to it. Even if you look at an area where I think five, six years ago, you'd have seen crypto as a force for bad. Five, six years ago, you'd looked at it and say it was, it was criminal, it was money laundering, et cetera, et cetera. Within it, there is massive opportunities, again, particularly through the underlying technology to democratize, to improve, to you know, make efficient. My belief in, in crypto, where it becomes a genuine force for good, is where we start to see more regulation around it and see a little bit more responsibility about people looking for get-rich-quick schemes. I saw some data the other day about how many people from 19 to 29 are borrowing money to invest in crypto and how much they've lost over that sort of period. And I think there's responsibility for some elements around that as well. But if we take that to one side and look at the general flow of it, for something that in 2008 was seen as something very far away from a force for good, what we're seeing now is the financial services, particularly with its robust performance over the last couple of years that have allowed, you know, I know we're talking now about cost of living and inflationary issues, but the, the state of the financial services ecosystem throughout 2020 and 2021 saved financial Armageddon. We're not just talking about you know, the impacts that we're having at the, at the moment and, and a recession that, that seems inevitable and a, a storm cloud that is navigatable, if unpleasant. What we're talking about would have been absolute Armageddon if it hadn't been for the robust nature of the financial services industry and the technology that allowed it to thrive throughout that sort of period. So I think it's really, really interesting. And I, and I absolutely agree with you. Look, I love this industry, as you know. It's something I'm really, really passionate about. I love seeing the, the accelerated innovation within, within the space that we've seen over recent years. And it's something which I think is, is absolutely a, uh, a force. We've some people there who are just doing incredible things and always looking for something that improves the ecosystem, always looking for something that improves people's life. That is the nature of financial technology in its truest sense, as far as, my, as, far as I'm concerned. How do we improve? How do we, how do we get things better? Yeah, that continuous improvement is absolutely key. And I'm so excited that so many people across the financial technology sector are talking about how do we improve the ways that we attract talent? How do we improve the perception of this industry? How do we showcase what we can do to be a force for good? And it's brilliant that we're in major newspapers all the time now. I wanted to also share something that I read in the Sunday Times. So Harry Wallop, I love that name, uh, which I had to say in this. Um, Yeah, Wallop. (laughs) He wrote a Wallop of an article. And what he was saying is that the Bank of England thinks we've lost a total of 44,000 workers since Brexit. Now, this is, you know, UK-wide. It's not necessarily purely within within the, the fintech or financial services sector. But I thought it was really interesting because... You know, he's writing this um, as if this is sort of like new information to people, whereas across financial technology, we've been so aware of that since before Brexit was even being spoken about. It was about global talent, about ensuring that we are attracting global talent to this financial technology hub, not just attracting it, but ensuring that we are we are making it so equitable and such such a positive experience where an individual can thrive and really be nurtured within their career that they stay. Because that's how we ensure that we remain a leading fintech hub globally. Another thing that he wrote about in the article, which I thought was really interesting that I wanted to share, Office of National Statistics had published that in 2021, job stayers received on average a 2.9% hourly increase. And this again is across all sectors. Job hoppers received a 9.5% salary Mm. increase. 
just so starkly different. And I wanted to share that with us because I can't imagine everybody would have read that article. Everybody would be aware of those statistics. They are not unique to our sector, but I think it's important because everything that we're going to be doing in our next magazine is really trying to showcase what the salaries are that are in our marketplace right now. And actually some of them I think are grossly inflated. However, we are going to be showcasing what the facts are right now. We've discussed this a lot. I think that there will be a returning to a bit of normality on salaries and we're going to see a bit of a slowdown in these really extreme cases of increase. However, I think it's really important that we focus on the job stayers because if we're saying across the whole of the UK in 2021 that 2.9% was the hourly increase average if someone stayed within their role, what else are we giving them? What else are we doing? How can we support people better? And again, I think that the fintech and financial technology community have been talking about this, have been doing a lot of walking the talk on this to try and upskill themselves, become more aware so that we can really increase that ability to retain, preserve, nurture, cultivate our talents. So I thought that was quite an interesting one to share because I hadn't seen the statistics laid out as starkly as that. It's phenomenal, isn't it, when you look at that and you think about that sort of stuff. To give a uh, prime example of the, the bonkers nature of the marketplace at the moment is, and this is a live example from yesterday, we, we uh, secured a candidate who was albeit underpaid, an increase from, I think, 65000 to 89000 And then the company who, who they were working for at £65,000 has come back and offered £130,000 to try and keep them. That candidate has, has refused that offer probably because it was absolutely mad in the, in the first place around it and the expectations then move up to, to a different level and it's not the right role. But I think it's just so interesting that companies are acting in that sort of manner at the moment for it. Now, you go back to that 2.9 versus 9% upticks, okay? And I think there's a real interesting piece there and we've, in honesty, have been looking at ourselves. We want to get ahead of those conversations and have, have changed our uh, comp and bends meetings to mean that we're constantly reviewing people's salaries and we're, we're looking to bring them through. I, I think there's nothing better than allowing people to develop within the business. But I heard something earlier on this morning as well, where, where I think there's a little bit of sense you know, starting to move into it, saying that we can't move to a £10,000 increase on a £50,000 salary that we secured for a candidate, which they wanted to get to, to that sort of level, because it's not just about that one candidate, it's a precedent for everyone else in the team. That means they'll move away from a candidate who would have been great for them, and that would have been great for that particular company. But it's only great if it's the right thing and it sits there for long term. And if we're looking to improve this aspect of 14-month retention in businesses, we've got to make sure that we're thinking a little bit longer term and in how we're looking after, how we're supporting, how we're progressing people through businesses. That's not easy. We haven't got it right at every single stage in our business. I doubt any company has. If you can think about it and it's on the agenda, then I think there's some real positivity around that. But um, yeah, well done, Mr. Wallop. That is a uh, an interesting set of data that's put into it. And I think, yeah, what we'll be doing, what we'll be doing in the financial technologist is putting in some really eye-opening information to people. And look, if you read that magazine and you see the salary survey and you see all the data we've collected from a, from an incredible survey, and there's two things you do it. You know, if you're a candidate, you look at it and you say, right, I'm underpaid, I'm overpaid, I'm in the right sort of zone. Fantastic. If you're a client, you look at it and say, right, what do I need to do to make sure I'm moving into this and thinking a little bit more about retaining my staff yeah and that thought um, and that thinking a bit more it couldn't be more urgent right now google this week has agreed to pay out 118 million dollars to more than 15,000 employees in a settlement the company was accused of paying female staff 17,000 dollars a year less than some of the men for the same work 
it's a settlement, so it hasn't gone to court yet, but geez, um, what, <laughs> what were they doing to mean that they it's, have agreed yeah. to settle without going into too much detail on it? But, you know, this is, um, th this really is reflective of, you know, I have many conversations with people that say to me, oh, but this isn't that much of a problem nowadays, is it? And, you know, and we sort of deny the problem. Like, so it's like yeah. that saying, the best trick the devil ever pulled was denying the world that he existed. And, you know, yeah. it's denying that, that we don't have gender parity is actually a, a huge, huge part of the problem. And look, this is what's going on this week at Google. So I think everybody should be ahead of the curve, if, as you say. I think everyone should, should put some thoughts into this. Everyone should know their numbers. Everyone should be measuring because it's fantastic that Janine Hurt, CEO of Innovate Finance, was able to write that work is being done for inclusion. Work is being done to attract different people to this industry, people from all walks of life, from all sorts of backgrounds to bring in diversity of thought so we can reflect the mass consumer. But we have got to do it in a way where this industry does it right and with equity and parity. And I always say it's really not that complicated. Fair pay, fair promotion, fair recognition. And, you know, look, Google hasn't got it right. It's really important that we, we can showcase across financial technology that we can get it right. And I always, mm -hmm. in this conversation, I say here, here to Smarkets, one of the few that have full transparency in their pay. So I really like the story that you shared about the counteroffer story that, you know, what someone at 64K gets an offer at 89, then gets a counteroffer to 135. My brain straight away just went to, if she's on 64, I wonder what her male counterparts are on. And I wonder, like, how physically can somebody who's on 64 grand move up to 100 and whatever? And I think that there's a, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things wrong in that entire situation. Mm. And actually, I'm really pleased that she's stuck with the new company altogether. She's said, completely don't want to have any ties with you previous lot, and I'm going to go with this new company. I'm good yeah, yeah. It's, a brave, it's a brave move, but I think it's you know, increasingly going to be one of the right ones, funny enough, yeah. people to be looking at. That's that sort of thing. I think it's, there's, there's a difference here, isn't there? There's, there's that piece about where it's done after the event, a panic move, let's chuck money at the problem, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's a difference between getting ahead of the problem and showing value. If you're showing double the value of an individual in your business because they left, and that's, you know, that's where it comes through from, I think you're, you're months too late in terms of what you're looking at. And I think there's some other things to celebrate across financial technology at the moment. We've said it many times before, but our ability to partner, to collaborate, to be able to really stop treating this industry as if it's a trade secret, but to showcase to one another how we can get better. This week, we've seen partnerships across companies such as Wealth Dynamics. We've seen Tenex and Westpac partner. We've seen the Thought Machine raising $160 million in Series D funding, a huge investment coming from Singapore. This industry has so much to shout about at the minute. We talk Definitely. about the great resignation. We talk about the difficulties we have in the economy. And I say it so many times, financial technology, we are privileged within our area. And we also have a huge responsibility to, to keep stepping up as an industry so that we can mm. take on the challenges that the wider world is facing. Here, here. And that's, there's so much we can talk about this week, but I know we're under time pressure. So apologies to all you lot listening that we've got to cut this short and do a uh, slightly shorter version this week. We promise... We'll be back with far more intel to give you next week. I'm heading off to Belfast, so I'll have the stories about what's happening out there. 
uh, and loads of other bits and pieces that we're going to be bringing to you as well. So thank you all for listening. We love doing this show. Thanks for, for tuning in all over the world. Please do like, share, comment, pass the pod on, and we'll see you next week. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Nadia. Bye.